0: Welcome back everybody into the Frogs Up TCU Sports podcast. I'm Russ Hodges that is Anthony North. We are back recording here Sunday night January 28th. Happy Championship Sunday for all of the NFL fans out there. I've got uh Lions, Niners in the background here. Watched some of the Chiefs game earlier. Super excited about the Chiefs again going to the Super Bowl for the for the fourth time in six years. Uh, all the Taylor Swift fans out there, I'm sure, are really excited about that as well. Uh, can't wait to see her dominate the storylines over the next couple of weeks here, heading into Super Bowl Sunday. But uh, we have some TCU sports to talk about tonight. We have a lot of basketball. TCU going on the road and picking up two big wins in Big 12 play. Tipping things off with a road win Tuesday against Oklahoma State, but the big one triple overtime thriller in Waco at the Foster Pavilion. First time TCU's men's team has played in the new building, and this was one to remember. Triple overtime, a 30 burger from Jameer Nelson Jr. as TCU knocks off the number 15 ranked Baylor Bears 105 to 102. Looking like an NBA score down there in Waco, although it took 55 minutes to get there. We will talk about the win over the Bears and what it means for TCU moving forward. We'll also hit on the game against Oklahoma State from Tuesday. We have some women's basketball to discuss. TCU getting the national spotlight, a feature on SportsCenter after a win over UCF 66-60. TCU playing without Sedona Prince, without Madison Connor, without Jaden Owens, and still finding a way to snap a lengthy Big 12 losing streak. TCU also was in action yesterday against Texas Tech. Had a very promising start, but fell short there by only a few points. But things are trending in the right direction after what was a, a very chaotic and eventful previous week for the the women's program. So we'll talk about that as well. We have some football items to hit on The uh, Senior Showcase events are coming up, East-West Shrine Bowl on February 1st, Senior Bowl on February 3rd. TCU is going to have several players there, so we will hit on that as well, in addition to some of the non-rev action that is going on. Uh, Anthony, I hope you're enjoying your championship Sunday. I've been uh, doing nothing but watching football since about 3 o'clock this afternoon, so it's been a pretty lazy, laid-back Sunday here for me.
1: Yeah, similar here. The weather turned nice, so I've been out with the kids a whole bunch, but um uh got to cook up some ribs for for football watching and you know, crack a few beers and uh it it's been a terrific day and getting to to throw down a little bit of barbecue, a little bit of uh you know, chips and dips and sides and it was a little, you know, g- got to get in the in the right spirit here, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Yes, there'll be uh man the Chiefs again I'm I'm so tired of the Chiefs and you know I know rooting being in the AFC man clearly these teams in the AFC I'm a Titans fan having to go up against Mahomes and the whole list of quarterbacks in the AFC and Mahomes just dominates them all and you know I think it, it says a lot that uh you know he's man he's Right up there now, he's got to be on the list with Tom Brady. I mean, I think it, we're, everyone's going to have to start having that conversation, which is, you know, that we went ahead and passed that torch right away, which, man, it's it's decades and decades of dominance from one person in this league. It's been very uh, frustrating for everyone else in the entire NFL fan base. But, uh, you know, I think the focus for the Super Bowl will be What's the menu going to look like? What's the beer spread going to look like? Uh, You know, Usher on the halftime show should be pretty great, but I'm I'm not too thrilled about seeing the Chiefs in another Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I'm going to get some serious homecoming dance flashbacks when Usher comes out and performs some of his uh, 2010-2012 bangers from back in the day. Yeah, Mahomes, it's just crazy how far he's come from that, gunslinger quarterback at Texas Tech to exactly like you said, he's right up there now with Brady. I mean, you look at the postseason record, obviously not close in the rings department yet, but he is a a big-time winner in the playoffs. And Andy Reid, that staff is a big part of it too. But it's it's just kind of crazy how it doesn't matter what seed the Chiefs are. They could be the one seed. They could be the three seed. They could even be a wild-card team. They are the team to beat in the AFC as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are members of that organization, and Travis Kelsey. Um, get, getting a little and annoyed. Taylor Swift, Oh, yeah! And and Taylor <laughs> Swift, I'm getting uh, a little annoyed with the. I was really hoping the Lions would win because I'm an Eminem fan, and I'm like, okay, I need the, yeah, that
1: I need
0: Eminem to get some airtime to counteract the Chiefs Taylor Swift storyline. But unfortunately, it's uh, it's not looking that way. I think the Niners are uh, about to wrap that one up, but. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and get rolling here with our TCU podcast tonight. We do have an update to share. We are excited to be renewing our partnership with Charlie Hustle for 2024. We've been uh, discussing things with them over the last week or so, and we're finalizing a, a new contract with them. It's going to be the same promo code, FrogsoWar. It'll still get you 15% off any TCU items at charliehustle.com. If you've checked out our socials, Facebook and Twitter, uh, you can see the new hoodie. That Charlie Hustle drop for TCU basketball, really cool hoodie. Check it out, uh, CharlieHustle.com. Again, promo code Frogs O War that'll get you fifteen percent off any of the TCU items on their website. Also, we have our Prize Picks promo code. Use that code Frogs12 for daily fantasy sports. Gets you a one hundred percent deposit match up to one hundred dollars. So. Uh, With that, we'll go ahead and get started here with our podcast tonight, TCU Basketball. We're going to start with the Baylor game, of course, because TCU goes on the road, and if you recall last year, TCU and Baylor also played an absolute thriller, and it was Chuck O'Bannon who hit a big shot late in the game to help TCU get that win. This game was extremely exciting, highly contested all the way through, big shots late in the game. TCU finished the game with only 10 turnovers in 55 minutes, a big improvement from last week. We spent a lot of time on the podcast last week talking about the self-inflicted wounds against Cincinnati and Iowa State, specifically the turnovers and how how big of a killer they were. This week, not so much. TCU took a big step forward against Oklahoma State, and then in this Baylor game, Uh, against a team that can play some tough defense uh, for TCU to go 55 minutes, three overtimes, only turning it over 10 times. Jameer Nelson was out of his mind in this game, 11 of 18 from the field, a season-high 30 points for him. He made some comments after the game that he felt this was the best game of his career, and TCU needed every single one of those 30 points because both teams went over 100, and the Frogs were able to escape Waco at the Foster Pavilion 105 to 102, the final score. Uh, Anthony, I'll ask you this first. Jameer Nelson, he was basically a non factor in the Oklahoma State game. And we've talked about some of his uh, inconsistencies on the offensive end of the floor this year. He's been very good defensively. He's averaging, I want to say, about three steals a game. It could be even more than that. But. This felt like a big-time breakout game for him offensively. He was getting to the basket. He was really effective in that mid-range area as well. Uh, What did you see or hear from him in this game, and how can this just be a springboard for him moving forward for the rest of the season in Big 12
1: play? Well, if you ask Baylor coach Scott Drew, it's only because he got lucky with uh, lucky bounces off of their backboard uh, absurd quotes from after this game. Um, no, no. I mean, I think this was Jameer said after the game that this was his best game in college, uh, which is saying a lot because he played a lot of basketball and played at a very, very high level for many years at Delaware. And, you know, I think it's it's hard to argue with him there to put up thirty points against this Baylor team in this spot on the road. Um, just a man, uh, you, you can't say enough about the clutch effort down the stretch. Um, you know, he scores the final four points of the game. He he makes a, a couple of free throws, he makes the go ahead um layup where he gets his own rebound that is Um, a play that it feels like TCU doesn't get that play and, and, you know, maybe uh, tongue in cheek, but you know, the, the bit of luck that that miss doesn't fall into the waiting arms of one of the three Baylor, you know, yellow jerseys standing right under the basket, um, for him to be able to, to capture his own rebound, put it back in the basket, man. Yeah. I think that We have had a little bit of criticism, I think, on this podcast for for Jameer Nelson Jr. in that, um, you know, I think we had very, very high expectations for him coming in. Um, Mm -hmm. He had big shoes to fill if he was going to try to take on the Mike Miles role from uh, the past few seasons. And understanding that's not necessarily what he was coming in to do, but, um, you know, he he put on a a clinic here and um you know the efficiency in his game in this game that uh was missing last week in those in those two losses um i think that uh, it's it's a a sign that and we talk about this a lot about his experience and this whole team's maturity that you're able to to come away from those, you know, flush away those bad outings and come out with just a, a pure banger here on the road in Waco.
0: Yeah, I think it says a lot about the resiliency of this team. And, and Jamie Dixon has made this comment multiple times now. I think he made the comment after the Houston game and after this Baylor game is that TCU has uh, high character individuals. And again, this is a very experienced veteran team you have a lot of seniors on this team guys who have been around for a while they've seen a lot of different things so uh, for TCU to put the results from last week behind them uh, a pretty gut-wrenching loss to Cincinnati in overtime where you get court stormed and then you come back home against an Iowa State team without its best player and get run out of the gym in the first half and you're able to to come back and make it a game toward the end. But uh, you probably felt pretty sour about that one as well. And then you had to go right back on the road against an Oklahoma State team that record-wise could be the worst team in the Big 12, but that's not an easy game either. There is no easy game in this conference. And uh, for TCU, even to to battle back in that Oklahoma State game when you were down by 16 in the first half to get that win and then get ready for a road trip to Waco against the top 15 team. Baylor coming in at number 15 in the country, uh, a team that continues to shoot the three ball really well. Baylor had the advantage in the rebounding category in this game. They had a huge free throw disparity as well. I think Baylor shot probably 15 more free throws roughly than TCU, but Both teams shot about the same percentage. Both teams were in the low 70s. TCU shot about 53% from the field in this game. And you had really consistent efforts from guys like Emmanuel Miller. Second consecutive game with 21 points. I think he was 8 of 16 from the field. And Micah Peavy, who for the second consecutive game, uh, really stepped up on the offensive end. 18 points for him. Wasn't shooting the ball a whole lot from the perimeter, but I think what he does best is his ability to cut to the basket and finish around the rim, scoring on putbacks, offensive rebounds. He's been really effective there, and he finished with 18 points in this one. Uh, I brought up the turnovers again. TCU, only 10 turnovers in this game, did a much better job taking care of the ball. And I think, Anthony, as you look at the results from this game and some of the statistics from an individual standpoint, from a team standpoint, what stands out to you the most about this game and just ultimately how was TCU able to come away with this one?
1: Well, man, the yeah, you mentioned the foul discrepancy, the free throw discrepancy. This was very much the case uh, throughout regulation in particular. Man, Baylor just early in this game, this game was like a real rock fight in the first I don't know, 12 minutes or so. First half of the first half, it, it it was physical and the refs were letting it go. They were letting it play. It was playing out. Um, and then they really started calling it tight on one end of the court and kept letting it be physical on the other end of the court. Um, and that foul discrepancy really, uh, creeped up, but TCU and, and one of the advantages that We've talked about on this podcast that really showed up in this game is that depth for the horn frogs, that you can be in that bad of a foul trouble um, that you can go three overtimes and not have a single player foul out yeah. um, i i mean you've you've got four players with four fouls, four yeah. starters with four fouls, and nobody fouls out. Um, I think that that's that was really impressive. The way that Jamie Dixon was able to uh deploy lineups despite that foul trouble. Um just the way that Chuck O'Bannon, who is uh absolutely dominant when he steps inside the the city limits of Waco, um <laughs> he had a huge game. I mean, probably his best game of the season. Um and he was absolutely critical to TCU's performance here and coming away with this win. He has 11 points. Um, he makes three three-pointers. Just a, a a a guy who's played very little the last few weeks, really wants conference play hit. He has been, um, I don't know, an in, in afterthought in the rotation. And for him to step up Uh, It 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 continues to speak to the value of that depth. Um, you know maybe TCU doesn't have quite the superstars of a Mike Miles or Damian Ball level of playmaking scorer, but the the pure depth on this team is something to behold. Something that really across this conference nobody else has. Um, so that showed up huge. Um. You know, I think we again got hit with a a flagrant foul call. Ernest Duda Jr. just needs to like find some pockets and keep his hands in his pockets uh, because if, if he's even caught breathing on somebody, it's going to be called a flagrant foul late in these games. He got hit in the third overtime. Uh, you know, you talk about the resiliency here. I mean, TCU many times could have, walked away with his game and ended it could have many times folded and packed it in as well. And Mm -hmm. you know, that third overtime started in about as bad a way as you could have had with, with the, uh, the flagrant foul, you give the two free throws, you get the ball, you're instantly down in a, in a pretty significant hole right away in this third overtime after you probably should have won after regulation. You should have won after the first overtime. um, And I just keep battling. I mean, you know, five minutes in college basketball is an eternity. So these games that each overtime period, you add another five minutes, it anything there's that lead can change multiple times, plenty of time to stage a comeback. And TCU did that. I mean, I think that those those are the two things that stood out most to me was the the fight to on the positive end. The fight to come back and just keep fighting in that hostile environment and and the depth to be able to sustain that level of foul trouble and keep fighting and keep pulling people off the bench that were giving uh, good minutes, for the most part, the, the people you were pulling off the bench. I don't know. We can get into negatives if we need to going forward and, and maybe some concerning things out of this, but... Um, Th- those are my, my biggest positive takeaways for sure.
0: Yeah. Chuck O'Bannon, I'm not sure what it is whenever he, uh, knows that TCU is playing Baylor, he gets up and really gets his shooting rhythm going. Um, uh, he's, he, he has these games where he, as you said, he's kind of an afterthought for a little bit and then he'll come out and have a big game. He's kind of like Xavier Cork in that regard. I don't, Xavier Cork had a a good game against Oklahoma state. He had nine points and three rebounds off the bench. And then he'll have games where it's just uh Tony Snell cardio doing, doing some runs up and down the floor, but was really happy to see Chuck O'Bannon step up with a big game off the bench against Baylor, 11 points on four or six shooting because he, for, he's a seventh year player. He's been around longer than all these other guys. And he's going to have an important role on this team going forward with his three point shooting when he's on, Other than Trey Tennyson, he's perhaps your best three-point shooter, and he's shown it in tournament games as well. So he's going to be a really important player going forward. It was nice to see him get going. I want to give a shout-out to Trey Tennyson as well. I know I've talked about him a lot. He's, He's my boy in some aspects on this podcast, but he scores 15 points. He makes four threes. He had four fouls in the fourth quarter and did not foul out. And to your point, Anthony, you said multiple guys had four fouls. I'm not sure what's more nutty. The the fact that TCU beat Houston without a timeout over the last five minutes of that game, or the fact that TCU played three overtimes on the road in a game where there was a pretty clear foul discrepancy and you did not have a player foul out. Uh, that goes to, to Jamie Dixon's comment about these guys just being we're the smartest team in the country. Uh, TCU didn't play very smart basketball last week. I think that was probably the biggest point that Dixon hammered home after those two losses is we have to play smarter basketball. And I thought with the turnovers cut down significantly and making good decisions late in the game, Jameer Nelson, if you want some good coaching tape, Jameer Nelson missing that floater and then getting his own rebound and putting that in, that's, perfect coaching tape. You don't give up on a shot. You always follow your shot. That's just fundamentals of basketball. And it was a huge play in the game. So I think from this game, there were a lot of positives. For me, the the only concerning thing is TCU didn't have, and this isn't much of a new concern, I guess, but TCU really didn't have any production from the big guys in this game. Ernest Uday did finish with seven rebounds and he has been Really active on the glass over the last couple of weeks, which has been really encouraging to see, but I think Cork, Mustafa, and Uday combined for two points in this game. Uday had two points uh Cork and Mustafa were just not useful in this game and Mustafa really hasn't been very useful over the last couple of weeks I mean he hasn't really his minutes have gone down he hasn't Found much of a role, which is a little discouraging. I thought he was going to come in and and be more of a factor as a, a backup big off the bench that could score out of the low post, and that that just hasn't happened for whatever reason. Maybe it's because that's not how TCU wants to play. TCU doesn't really want to slow the game down and play inside-out basketball. I can kind of see that with the way they love to get out and transition and score on the fast break. But uh, for for those guys, you'd really love to see. More production there, uh, I think Mustafa's right around three points and three rebounds a game, and this was a guy who was a two year starter three year starter at coastal Carolina, averaging roughly a double double a game so you you know there's more there and and hopefully you can get a little more production from some of the big guys going forward because you're gonna see some talented bigs as as the season progresses. It may not be a hunter Dickinson but uh, TC is going to have to get a little bit more offensive production from some of these big guys so that it alleviates some of the pressure off of some of these shooters. And Jacoby Coles, I think is also a guy that, that really needs to get going. I feel like he's, he's was coming off the bench now had a little bit of an injury a few weeks back, but just hasn't seemed to get in much of a rhythm offensively. I think he was maybe one for five or one for six in this game. And, uh has just been really quiet he's still getting a lot of minutes i think he's going to continue to to get shooting opportunities and we've seen in the past that he can be a clutch shot maker and he can be an efficient shooter the the opportunities just haven't really been coming as frequently as they had in the past and when they have come he just hasn't been able to take advantage to get into a rhythm so I think as TCU moves forward into next week, coming back to show arena with, uh, games against Texas tech, which could be a top 25 matchup on Tuesday. And then a a game Saturday against UT. Hopefully the fans bring the, the horns down signs and (laughs) make the horns down shirts, do what you got to do. But those are going to be some things that I want to see. Uh, moving forward was really pleased with the ball security this week. Uh, Emmanuel Miller continuing to be Mr. Steady Eddie, super consistent. Uh, Micah Peavy having a good week offensively, I think, is a big key as well. But uh, hopefully TCU can get some more production from some of these big guys going forward.
1: Yeah, you know, I think Uday had a pretty nice game. I think he it's tough because. You've got a true freshman big on the other side who dominated this game. I mean, Eve yeah. Misey was um, <clears throat> extremely good. I mean, he was he was the driving force of everything they were doing in this game, and he was making free throws, and he was making most of his shots, and he had a huge game. But I'll say, generally, defensively, I mean, Baylor has a certified, guaranteed lottery pick in Jacoby Walter, a uh, true freshman. Yeah. and t c u defensively shut him down i mean that that's gotta be his worst shooting game uh in college so far, two for twelve from the field. he did of course hit the the dagger three pointer that sent it into another overtime uh which was just his second made shot of the entire game um but for for you to hold a guy with that level of talent, i mean he is a true freshman and he was making some true freshman level mistakes out there but um that dude can play and for TCU defensively to game plan him uh to nullify him in that way uh, you know he made a lot of free throws but he was he was not the thing that beat you i think that was that was encouraging to see um you know we're going to talk about it every week about the big guys have to be able to be on the court and be a positive when they're on the court um yeah. you know ude ude can't do it himself he's he needs breathers he needs those uh other two big men to put in just at least positive some sort of useful minutes um and and certainly in the Oklahoma State game cork had a really good game. I think he was, he was great. Shout out to him for that game. Um, But the roller coaster of inconsistency with him um, is, is really hurting TCU. I think, Uh, you know, here in this Baylor game, not good. Um, And when he came on the court, bad thing, only bad things happen. So I think some things to clean up there. The other thing to clean up, You know, free throw shooting, again, was not very good for TCU. I mean, 70% shooting is fine at the free throw line. You would like to be uh, a lot closer to 90%, I think. Uh, But in particular, TCU had a chance uh, two different occasions. Emmanuel Miller sent to the free throw line late in this game where if he, you know, he's got two shots at the line, uh, two different occasions, he comes away two for four in those shots, if he makes one of those TCU wins the game and you don't have to worry about that Jacoby Walter three pointer. Um, eh. I think that uh, you would have liked to have seen Miller step up to the line, ice in his veins, clutch those free throws, TCU walk away with the win. Um, The other thing from, from this game, I, I, that led to the the Walter three-pointer is, I, I don't know, maybe this is a philosophical question of like, do you foul when you're up three? Uh As far as like a, a basketball strategy thing, I know there's, there's very strong opinions both ways on this. Mm-hmm. I don't mind TCU not fouling um on this one, partially because... TCU is not very good at getting rebounds off of missed free throws. Uh, I think TCU gives up offensive rebounds often on missed free throws. It, it happened several times in this Baylor game. And, you know, you really put yourself at risk where if you send somebody to the line, if you send Ray J Davis to the line, as he's, you know, he's coming across midcourt, he's trying to get a pass off. You foul him, you send him to the free throw line for two shots. If he makes one, misses the second, and they still have five seconds to get the rebound and put a shot up, um, you're really putting yourself at risk there. So I don't mind it, but uh, I understand why, you know, there there could be some kicking and screaming about, look, man, don't let the best player on the court take the shot that that, you know, the the dagger shot there.
0: Yeah, John Rothstein has that tweet that he puts out practically the three, (laughs) the three rules of college basketball. And one of them is always follow up three late. Uh, I think generally, if you're a good free throw shooting team, that's probably the right strategy. I think sometimes the context of the game will also matter, but uh, maybe if you're a team that sucks at shooting free throws and you're like a 65% free throw shooting team or, in the 65 to 70 percent range on average maybe you don't do that because you might not be confident enough to go down on the other end and make them but uh tcu was ultimately able to to win this game and get to 15 and 5 overall four and three now in the big 12 uh tcu also picked up a win on Tuesday against Oklahoma State. This was another road game, and we won't spend too much time talking about this one. Uh, TCU fell behind pretty early on in the first half. Uh, really bad start offensively. Awful. TCU was trailing at halftime, but a bounce-back effort in the second half that was really spearheaded by someone we haven't talked about yet on this episode and that was Avery Anderson, the former Oklahoma State starting point guard who spent, I believe, three seasons with the Cowboys, uh, feeling comfortable back in his old gym as he finished with 15 points, also had, I think, five or six assists in this game. We talked about Avery Anderson a lot last weekend, uh, talked maybe a a lighter word to describe what we said. We kind (laughs) of ripped on him. Uh, last week, because he really struggled with ball security in that Cincinnati game and Iowa State, I think he combined for thirteen turnovers over those two games. And we we made it a point when we talked about what what does TC need to do going into this game against the Cowboys, where they were going to be favored by four or five points. We talked about ball security and cutting down on those turnovers. Avery Anderson finished with only two turnovers, scored fifteen points, was efficient from the field. And was a big player down the stretch. TCU had a 12-0 run midway through the second half to really get back into this game and eventually take the lead. Emmanuel Miller also was big down the stretch. He had a double-double in this game with 21 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, Micah Peavy, again, had 16 points in this game, five rebounds. He was very effective and active on the offensive end. I think that's when he's at his best offensively is when he's active. He's cutting to the basket. Uh, moving up moving down the baseline finishing around the rim so he was active in that second half as well uh, and this was a really important win I mean th- this would be a really bad loss for for TC and we talked about the Iowa State game being kind of a, a must win not not a horrible loss because Iowa State was a top 25 team but if you lose to Oklahoma State that would look pretty bad on your resume so TCU was able to avoid a a big upset in Stillwater uh, 74 to 69 was the final score in this game and uh, TCU finished with only nine turnovers however on the defensive side an Oklahoma State team that I believe you talked about last week Anthony a team that struggles with turnovers themselves TCU was only able to force four turnovers in this game. And the fast break scoring, the transition scoring was basically non-existent for TCU in this contest. So uh, reflecting on the Baylor game, we've talked about what we were encouraged by and what we want to see going into these next two games against Texas Tech and Texas this coming weekend. I think the, the one concern I had really from this game, the two concerns really, one was the slow start offensively, which I think has been a little bit of a theme for TCU throughout the entire season. Even going back to non-conference play, I can recall a couple of games where TCU just didn't really start off fast and took a while to get going before ultimately uh, finding some rhythm in the second half and blowing out some of these lesser opponents. Um, but that's kind of continued here in the Big 12 play, so you'd like to see some stronger starts offensively, and you'd like to feel... As if you're not trying to dig yourself out of an early hole, the the second thing would be TCU is just not really getting out in transition the way they were earlier in the season. And granted, I think some of that is due to the increase in talent and the level of competition going from uh, bottom tier non conference opponents to the best basketball conference in in the Power Five, but I think that's such an integral part of what TCU does. It's, it's, it's kind of their identity. TCU is known for being one of the best fast break teams in the country. And when TCU is able to score and transition and get out and run, they're really, really tough to beat because they're not a team that wants to just sit in the half court all game long. And, I think in a lot of these Big 12 games, that's what's kind of happened because teams are not – they're getting back on defense. They're not uh, allowing TCU to turn them over and allow transition scoring opportunities. So that's one thing that I'm going to be really watching for in these next couple of games, the Tech game on Tuesday and the UT game on Saturday, is can TCU force turnovers? I believe they forced 14 – Baylor turnovers, 14 or 16, somewhere around there. But they, they did a pretty good job of turning Baylor over and scoring some points off of those turnovers. So I would really like to see TCU continue to force 15 to 20 turnovers a game. I think if they can do that and score twenty around 20 to 25 points off turnovers, they're going to be in a tremendous position to win
1: some of these big games coming up. Yeah. And just briefly on the Oklahoma state game, because it was a long time ago now, and that's a game, like you said, have to win. It it would be a terrible mark on your resume, even though that's a very tough place to play. And they've played, you know, they haven't lost a game by more than like a a few points uh, there this season. So Tough place to play, but that's that's a game you have to win. Mm-hmm. To go down 17, I have a 17-point deficit, <laughs> like basically almost immediately, 10 minutes into the game or so, um, man, it was really, really bad basketball. And coming off the heels of the two previous games where TCU played pretty bad basketball, it was like, oh man, here we go again. This is This season is 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 in the worst way and for them to turn that around I think was very impressive and and Avery Anderson was a huge piece of that. Emmanuel Miller with another double double, uh 21 points, 11 rebounds. Big game from him. He played every minute of the game and TCU needed every minute of that. Um Avery Anderson takes a charge late in this game that basically seals the game. Um you know, I think it was uh, just terrific to see him to go back into his old stomping grounds and, and get back a little bit to form. I think that after those previous games where things had gotten shaky uh, to see him come out and perform was, was really nice. And um, I guess, as we look ahead to, to what's coming, you know, coming off a week where you go two and O on the road, two road games. Now you get to, to your your two games at home this week ahead. I think TCU has a real opportunity here to make another big leap in yep. all of the rankings and all of your bracketology views. TCU has a big big opportunity here. I mean, Texas Tech, there's no more sleeping on Texas Tech. The, you know, early in the conference schedule you know, they had a bit of a light slate. They won at Texas. Okay. You know, they lost at Houston. Okay. But at this point, there's, there's no denying that they are a contender. Um, you know, sitting with this many wins already in conference play in the big 12, there's, there's no way to ignore what the red Raiders are doing, um, in the first season under a new coach there. So a very dangerous game with them coming to Shawmeir uh it's a game you you really need to win i mean it's probably one TCU might be favored by a basket uh maybe two and a half or so and it's one that TCU could come away with i, I don't know though because the the matchup doesn't look too great for TCU i think this is uh the a Texas Tech team that doesn't turn the ball over at a at a terrible rate they are a a very good three point shooting team. Uh, pop Isaacs, you know, all, whatever off field situations he's in that we don't need to get into, but he's on the court. And when he's on the court, he can shoot. And he has been, he's been electric the last few weeks. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit, I think kind of bearing the load of this entire offense early and through the non-conference schedule. But, um, he's really picked it up and figured it out lately. And and he's, he can burn you anywhere on the court. He can hit a shot. So um, they are a good three point shooting team. They, uh, you know, I think it's one where TCU, it's going to come like any game, I guess, but, but they are not as good at defending the three. So you might be looking for a Trey Tennyson, pop Isaacs, three point shootout. Um and and who comes away with the more made uh, shots from long distance? Um, you know I think a lot of will the will the frog army at Shawmy Arena put on a show to to make things difficult there for Texas Tech? I, I think that it should be a a terrific basketball game. Um, you know, for neutral observers, anybody watching this game, it should be a a thriller that is probably another one for the frogs, you know, likely to potentially give us a heart attack because it's going to come right down to it. And, uh, TCU will need every play to, to kind of go their way to make sure to take that one home.
0: Yeah. The two matchups I'm going to be. Curious to see how they unfold. I, I would be curious to see if TCU puts Micah PV on Pop Isaacs because Micah PV is TCU's best overall defender. I know he's got some more size, so I, I don't know if the, the the speed or the quickness of Isaacs would be a big concern there, but Micah Peavy, uh had a really solid week defensively, continues to play really well on that end, and I'd be curious to see if Jamie Dixon uh, sticks him on, Isaacs, who's averaging over 16 a game. And then Texas on Saturday, uh, Max Abrams making mm-hmm. that mid major leap is continuing to score at a very high clip. So he's going to be one to watch out for there. Uh, Avery Anderson, Jameer Nelson, they'll likely be tasked with guarding him. So it'll be exciting to see how TCU contends with him in that Saturday game. So again, two home games coming up this week for the men's team Tuesday night against Texas Tech potential top twenty-five matchup and then home against Texas on Saturday. So fans, get out to Shoulmeyer Arena uh again on Saturday, bring your horns down, self-made merchandise, signs, whatever. Maybe you got. your
1: last chance. It could be your last yeah. chance to see the Longhorns in Shawmeyer. I mean, I can't imagine they're gonna be wanting to make many trips up to Fort Worth uh once they make the transition into the lighter league of the SEC. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine that they're gonna be taking any Non-conference trips away out here to Shawmeyer Arena. So your last chance to to throw the horns down in person at the game uh, in in the home environment. I think it it should be a, a terrific atmosphere out there. There's no excuses. You got to be out there at Shawmeyer. Show Jerome Tang your horns down. Make him make him cry about it, and uh, you know send send him home send them back into the sec with the, with the loss there out of Schoenmeyer.
0: Yeah. would like to hear some more Rodney Terry postgame complaints about the, the horns down. Oh there. yeah.
1: Did I say Jerome Tang? That, that's a whole other thing. My goodness. Yeah.
0: Two, two sensitive coaches there, but so that, that
1: his whole, his whole bit about man, poor Iowa state. Um, you know, they, they go out and, and get the big win over Kansas state, get the big win over Kansas. And all anybody can talk about is Jerome Tang accusing them of cheating. Um, yeah, I had that on my mind, too. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah,
0: well, uh, we, we've been going pretty long here with the men's basketball, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there and transition into our next item here, which is TC women's basketball. We spent a lot of time last week talking about everything that was going on with the women's program, uh, multiple players out with injuries, a couple of season enders as well for Jaden Owens, starting point guard, Deja Turner, backup forward. Sedona Prince out for seven weeks with that broken finger. TCU was forced to cancel their conference games against Kansas state and Iowa state. Uh, A lot of talk on social media about all that. TCU held open tryouts last Thursday and Friday. They have since added four players to the roster as walk-ons for the rest of the season. We talked about Sarah Sylvester, the TCU volleyball player, the middle blocker, six, three being, Added to the roster, now a dual sport athlete. I know that's generated a lot of positive buzz. And she actually got some minutes in the win over UCF on Tuesday, which was really exciting. TCU winning that game 66 to 60, snapping a four game losing streak, uh, technically a six game conference losing streak because TCU did forfeit the K State and Iowa State games. But nevertheless, a Big uplifting win for TCU, who also played to, to, to add more injuries onto the current injury woes. Madison Connor did not play this past week due to a knee injury. So without Prince, without Connor, without Owens, TCU found a way to take down the Knights. Big games from Aliyah Robertson, who had 17 points, has been shooting the ball tremendously from three-point range. Sydney Harris, uh, the former MAC conference freshman of the year, transferred in from Central Michigan. She had 14 points. In this game, Una Jovanovic and Agnes Emma and Opu were both in double figures as well. Uh, Sydney Harris is someone who I think is going to be taking on a, a much larger role here over the remainder of the season with her shooting ability, her size at 6'1, and you know, I was a little surprised that she wasn't in the rotation at the start of the season. I thought she was going to be more of a active contributor, but um, TCU had Robertson and Victoria Flores and I think Deja Turner coming off the bench. Sydney Harris was, was a reserve out of the rotation, but she stepped into the rotation now, is shooting the ball really well, and has been a, a difference maker over the last few games for TCU as the Frogs. Got that win over UCF. Mark Campbell, head coach for TCU, was featured on SportsCenter. Was a really nice story for TCU to be featured on the national spotlight after a a very hellish few weeks of injuries. And I should note, too, some of the walk-ons that TCU has added to the roster. uh, These aren't just girls who wanted (laughs) to come try out for the team because they thought it would be fun. I mean, these are – I mean, looking at Micaiah Moore – Ella Hamlin from Granbury, Texas, and Piper Davis. Uh, Piper Davis led her team to a state championship in 2022 and was in the Idaho All-Star High School girls basketball game. Uh, Ella Hamlin was a 1,500-point scorer at Granbury, and Mikhail Moore also led her team to a state championship. So that's, that's pretty crazy to think about that TCU just, casually has state championship winning <laughs> and state championship qualifying uh high school girls basketball players just enrolled as full-time students and they're they're on the roster now. I don't know if I know Sylvester played in the UCF game. I don't know if the guards got into the mix at all, but uh just just pretty cool to see that there there were some successful girls with successful prep careers added to the roster as walk-ons, and to get the win over UCF, snap that losing streak, uh, be featured on Sports Center on the late-night show, was just a, a really uplifting series of events for the women's team after everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, Sylvester so got in in both games this week, um, maybe two or three minutes total across the the two games, but um, did get in the game and, and the other three have not yet to log any minutes, um, that at least that I've seen are from, from the stat sheet. So, uh, still it, yeah, it goes to show like how ridiculous it is to be a division one athlete that like a scholarship athlete that, you know, these, these walk-ons that they added to the team are, are, yeah, like you said, they're, these are not just people coming out of their, you know, classrooms these are big time high school basketball players and you know they're they're not in you know division one athlete shape probably because they've been out of it for you know whatever a semester uh or or however long um but i yeah amazing to that these these are just people going to class that that uh tcu has these waiting in the wings um this this UCF game, I you know I think that TCU might still be a player all, with an opportunity to get into the NCAA tournament. I think that it, it's going to take a lot, and it would have been nice to pull out this Texas Tech game because you're on the road, you build an early lead. Um, it, it, it was it was kind of a big missed opportunity there, I think, but. Um, to get back on the right track with that UCF win. um, It's one of the feel good stories across all of TCU athletics for this, this calendar, this academic year. Um, I think it's maybe the biggest story um, that, that we've had. I think it's for them to bounce back and get that win. um, You couldn't be more impressed with, with that team. I think, Sydney Harris coming off the bench and just lights a fire. Like as soon as she hits the court uh, draining three after three um, just a, a passion out there uh, on the court that um, you can see this team really cares about winning for each other, about making each other better. Um, And I think it's, you know, it's the kind of team that you can't help but root for. So, you know, they were that way when they were crushing teams through the non-conference schedule and when they were at full strength. And it's even more of a uh, camaraderie story now when they're, with their back against the wall. So I think it'll be very interesting to see the way they play the rest of the season. I mean, over the next six weeks or so to see if they can make a run to March, it's going to be very difficult given the, uh, you know, how far back they've, they've had to step. Um, but you know, if you get Connor back, um, here at some point in the short term, if you get Sedona Prince back in the, a little bit longer term, um, that's a team that you don't want to play. Like if, if you get into March or even in the big 12 tournament, um, things could get pretty interesting, at least, you know, making things scary for you know if you get into the ncaa tournament as i don't know a 10 seed or something Mm -hmm. that's not a team you you don't want to see Sedona prince on the other side of your bracket if you if you if you enter as like uh as a pretty high seed you're like oh man now i've gotta i've gotta go against this sharpshooter and this uh giant like what are oh man you you're really up against it there so i i think it could be fun but um big big games ahead to to put themselves in that position if it's if it's gonna to come to it.
0: Yeah, and on the individual note, there have been some players that have stepped up over the last couple of weeks. Victoria Flores has had some really big moments and Jade Owens, now that she's essentially transitioning into a coaching role for the team since her uh her playing career is over with the knee injuries, which is super unfortunate. But to have a player like that in the corner of Victoria Flores, that's gonna be instrumental to her development going forward Aaliyah robertson has taken her game to another level she had a double double in the texas tech game with 15 points and 10 rebounds sydney harris had 10 points in that game in double figures again agnes emma and opu with 19 points as well she's been shooting the three ball uh, pretty solidly for the frogs over the last couple of weeks and TCU outscoring Texas Tech 18-7 in the first quarter, but a really tough second quarter as the Red Raiders outscored TCU 25-8. to And both teams basically kept pace with each other in the second half. So TCU falling a little bit short in the Saturday game to Texas Tech 71-65. to But TCU will have some time off here. There will be no midweek game. So TCU's next game will be against Kansas at home on Saturday. So uh, be ready to cheer on the Frogs as they get ready to pick up hopefully another Big 12 win against the Jayhawks. And we'll we'll hope for good news about Madison Connor. I I haven't read or seen anything to determine whether or not it's uh, a serious injury, but uh, it's been exciting to see how some of these individuals who maybe coming into the season wouldn't have had very large roles are suddenly in a position where they have to step up and contribute in a big way and show that that they belong at this level. And for, for Mark Campbell as a head coach, I mean, it was lining up to be kind of a, a dream start and maybe a dream season. You have this huge monkey wrench thrown into things, and you're having to basically change your – you installed a whole new offense. I mean, you're not playing – you're basically running a five out offense now. You weren't doing that before. You were running a lot more pick and roll with your bigs. And defensively, you were playing a lot of zone with your six, seven center anchoring things down. And Prince the post. clean it up. Yep. Now you're playing a lot of man. So T- TCU has basically had to reinvent itself in the middle of conference play, which to, to do that and pick up a win. Be competitive in another game. And it's it's really a good story. And hopefully, TCU can continue to turn things around here. And we'll continue to follow uh, not just the men's team, but the women's team as well here on Frogs Up and online at frogsoar.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter as well at Uh Get all of your TCU men's and women's basketball updates there as. I think we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up our basketball content for this evening. We do have some football news to hit on as well as some non-rev stuff happening in Fort Worth. Uh, starting with the football stuff, uh, TCU is going to have some players taking the gridiron in the senior showcase events this week. We have the East-West Shrine Bowl that is being played on Thursday, February 1st. And then the Reese Senior Bowl is being played on Saturday, February 3rd. TCU is going to have three guys in the Shrine game, Mark Perry, Andrew Coker, and Willis Patrick. Some some good practice clips surfacing on social media right now of those guys. So super encouraging to see that. And then the Senior Bowl, we're going to have Jared Wiley, Josh Newton, Brandon Coleman, and Imani Bailey as well. So uh, be sure to check those games out as some of these TCU, former Frogs, soon to be Pro Frogs are looking to make a name for themselves and raise their draft stock ahead of the 2024 NFL draft as uh, we'll have TCU Pro Day in the spring, I believe. And then ultimately the 2024 NFL draft will be coming up in a few months. So uh, we will cover those as well. Anthony, are you going to be watching out for anybody in, in those games, anyone you're particularly curious to keep an eye on?
1: I think for the East West Shrine Bowl, it's going to be Willis Patrick. You know, I think he has a chance to be uh, a draft pick for sure and a pretty good uh, depth position player on the offensive line in the NFL. I think he's got a chance at that. I I, I hope that he gets an invite to the combine. He gets to show what he can do there, get himself in the interviews with these teams. I think he's going to be able to to make a name for himself. um, and, and in the senior bowl, seeing what Josh Newton does, you know, does, does he get himself a, a, a big time draft pick? I, I don't know that he's first round, but if, is he day two? Is he going to be second or third round? I think I, I, there's an opportunity for him to make that kind of a, a rise. um, If he continues to, put out good tape at all these opportunities and and show out really well. So, I think I think he's got a big opportunity. I I'm, I'm excited that Imani Bailey gets this opportunity as well. I know he had kind of had to work his way into the senior bowl uh up from the hula bowl. So, uh, you know, I think that him getting on the field uh we know that he's electric and you know, maybe maybe in the senior bowl they'll they'll give him the ball. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious to see how Amani Bailey does, and if he gets some good reps because I he he to me is someone who could be like a a fourth or fifth round pick, or just not get drafted. I, I have no idea what his draft stock really looks like. Um, with the Shrine Bowl guys, I've seen a lot of mock drafts that have Andrew Coker basically pegged as a day three draft pick which I think is interesting considering that I really think Willis Patrick was the better player this season and I think you know maybe it's the difference between playing guard and tackle is if you're a tackle you're six seven like Andrew Coker is there might be a team that just gives you a look uh, later in the draft based off your physical measurables but Patrick uh, had some really good practice tape put on social media, uh, I think earlier today or over the weekend and was, I think TCU's most consistent best lineman this year. And with his size, 6'4, 330 something pounds. I mean, he's a guy that could absolutely be on the depth chart at the, the guard or even the center position. I know he didn't play a lot of center at TCU, but, uh, he was a D2 all American as a tackle. He kicked inside the guard and played really well. So I really hope that he gets drafted Monty Bailey, I'm going to be interested to see what happens with him. And Jared Wiley is another one. I'd be curious to see what his draft stock looks like. I agree with you that Josh Newton is the most likely player to be a day two selection. Uh, but, but Jared Wiley, I mean, being a first team, all big 12 proven contributor over the last two seasons, six, seven, one, probably going to be one of the bigger tight ends in this class. I I feel like he has the potential to maybe get into that uh maybe third round mid late third round discussion if he can have a good senior bowl or maybe even a good combine. I'm not sure when exactly the combine invitations will be coming out, but I would really love to see at least 3 or 4 TCU players get invitations there. So um and Brandon Coleman, I think, has a good chance to to put out some good tape as well. Another really consistent lineman over over the last couple of years. So uh, that that'll all be exciting to watch. Uh, I I personally like to keep tabs on all of that stuff. It's fun to watch the guys get some good tape out there and uh, try to make a name for themselves. And we always love to see as many TCU players get drafted as possible. I think last year there were eight TCU players drafted, which was I want to say the third. Tied for the third most, maybe I think Georgia and uh either Michigan or Alabama were the only two that had more players taken than than TCU. So super exciting stuff there. Uh one more football update to hit on. Uh former TCU defensive coordinator Joe Gillespie uh reportedly has a new job lined up. It sounds like there's going to be a school board meeting Tomorrow, so Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. in uh, Waco, the Midway Independent School District will be hiring Joe Gillespie to be the next head football coach at Waco Midway High School. Uh, kind of a interesting transition there for him, going from being a Division One college coordinator to being a high school coach, but Joe Gillespie for many years was a head high school coach at Stephenville High School, was there for over a decade, Uh, moved on to work at Tulsa after that, was at Tulsa for a long time, was a defensive coordinator there before coming to TCU, spent two years at TCU, but is going to be going back to the high school coaching ranks as a head coach reportedly at Waco Midway. So uh, best of luck to Joe Gillespie there. by all accounts, seems like a a tremendous guy who was really well respected by the players. So, uh, best of luck to him there. Any uh, any thoughts you want to add there, Anthony, about Joe? Gillespie? I mean,
1: yeah, you know, I, I think you know, coaching in college. This may be a lifestyle decision for Gillespie because I'm sure that he had opportunities to coach at the college level, whether it be just as a position coach or as a coordinator at, you know, a, a, some, some other, maybe at the G5 level. Um, but I, I imagine there are some life benefits to being a high school coach compared to coaching at the college level, all of the recruiting, all of the NIL glad handing you have to do all of the the things that you have to deal with at the college level that, that you don't at the high school level, or at least not in the same way. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, we, just like we say with with our, you know, transfers that go, we wish Gillespie coach Gillespie all the best, definitely um, a very well respected uh, football coach. And certainly at the high school level has had immense success and a long track record. So there's, You know, you have to think that um, that program that, you know, they they compete at a pretty high level. They uh, haven't had the most success, uh, but they they go play all the big boys. So I I think he could he could be I'm sure that he will find success there in Waco.
0: Yeah. And with that, we'll hit on our last item here. The non rev stuff. We have some TCU tennis updates, the men's and women's teams. Uh, getting back at it, Anthony, I'll let you hit on those. What's the latest going on in uh, TCU tennis country?
1: Yeah, so so both programs got started with the ITA kickoff uh, regionals this weekend. The women won their first match over Rice and then fell against Texas A&M in College Station. So they will not be advancing into the national bracket tournament, uh, but the men... Very easily, I would say, uh, swept past Rice and Tulsa here in Fort Worth this weekend, uh, beating Tulsa earlier this afternoon to advance into the bracket, uh, it, the championship bracket for the sixth straight year. And TCU has won that indoor national championship two years in a row. So this would be a third straight opportunity uh, for the Frogs to bring home a national championship. So um, big things happening. That uh indoor national championship is coming up in mid February in New York City uh in the meantime this coming weekend uh TCU men's tennis will be taking on here in Fort Worth at the Purple Courts number 9 Stanford and then uh, I think that's on Friday and then on Sunday number 6 Tennessee so big time top 10 matchups uh coming up for the Horn Frogs another chance to get out there Go check out this team. I mean, you look at this lineup, a a squad that went to the final four in the outdoor a year ago, won the indoor national championship a year ago, returns a a healthy portion of that roster. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you look at these doubles lineups that they run out there. um, You know, I I think it's going to be, I, I think that they are going to be, certainly players on the national stage in a big, big way. Yet again, this season, uh, Coach Roditi has it absolutely rolling for the Frogs.
0: Yeah. Jack Pennington-Jones, I think, is the the player that I'm most excited to watch uh, this year. Going back to the fall, TCU had a pretty short fall season, but uh, Jack Pennington-Jones was right up there at the top of men's singles, beating some of the best players in the country. and.
1: I think yeah, he's currently ranked number three nationally. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's
0: put together a really strong fall season. And uh, last year, I think he was playing out of, uh, he worked his way up into the upper tier singles part of the lineup and uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's T- TCU's one singles player this year. I know Sebastian Gorsny is back as well. Jake Fernley, Jake Fernley, at Pedro Vivas back. Uh, Louie Maxted is back. Duncan Chan is a freshman I believe that's going to have an opportunity to step in and potentially be a, a big contributor there so yeah it's it's going to be a lot of fun you're you're going to have to replace some big time contributors like Luke Famba and Sander Jong but uh as you said a healthy portion of this lineup is back and I don't see any reason why TCU shouldn't be in contention for multiple championships this season, whether it's been in, whether it's going to be in big 12 play or on the ITA level, uh, TCU is definitely going to be a a force to be reckoned with during this spring season here. So I think with, with that, we'll go ahead and sign off for the evening. We're getting close to the hour, 10 minute mark on the podcast. So we've covered a lot tonight. Uh, we're in the heat of the winter, winter sports season. We're going to continue to have a lot of basketball to discuss. We're going to continue to have football as well as some of the non-rev stuff. And uh, a shout out to Drew Carlton, one of our staff writers who's been doing a tremendous job getting back on the non-rev roundup. So if y'all want to know what's going on with tennis, with rifle, with swimming and diving, track and field, all the other programs that are back in action, be sure to uh, go to frogsaward.com and go to our TCU non-rev page to get all the latest stuff there. So uh, again, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and Cap the episode off there. We appreciate everybody continuing to listen here on the Frogs Up TC Sports Podcast. One last time, continue to read our work online at frogsawar.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Give us a like. Give us a comment, a share, a retweet. Whatever you got to do, we appreciate all of the support. Charlie Hustle, use that promo code frogsoar. Get 15% off any TC items at charliehustle.com. And for Price Picks Daily Fantasy Sports, download the Price Picks mobile app or go to PrizePicks.com and use the promo code FROGS12. Gets you a 100% deposit match up to $100. So with that, we will go ahead and put a, a little bow on this episode and sign off for the night. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North, and we will sign off with a Frogs Up.
1: Frogs Up.